Welcome back to a Mindset Medicine podcast. I'm Catherine Lucadu. I am a business coach. I'm a real estate coach. I'm a real estate broker owner, and I am a serial entrepreneur. I love business. I love marketing, branding, and everything that has to do with growing yourself, growing your business, and creating something that is yours. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about as we approach 2023, or whether you are listening to this in 2023. Happy New Year. Here we go. A brand new year. So here's how I'd love to start off the new year with the seven essential principles for growing your business. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. These are the essential principles for growing any type of business. And although I'm in real estate and I'm in the coaching sphere, what I'd like to do is I'm going to base a lot of these principles off of a business that my uncle owned for 37 years. He owned a coffee shop and a donut shop. Now, if any of you have ever been in the service industry, hospitality sector, restaurant, it's not an easy business. And if you are listening to this and you are in real estate, working with people is not easy. So a lot of what I have learned in life about business and about people, I have actually watched and learned a lot from him over the years. Now, I lived in Europe for 18 years, so I got to observe and experience a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs there. Some of them, <laughs> honestly, I would have to question whether they should have been running a business, but it takes all kinds, as they say, to run a business and business models, business practices, business communication, it all comes into play. So let's start off. My uncle owned and operated a coffee shop, donut shop for 37 years. And for 27 of those years, it ran 24-7, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So it was a massive commitment. And I think he did it very well. If you were to ask people in the community where he grew this business, it wasn't a large community, 60,000 people here in Ontario. But here's what I noticed. I noticed the interaction on a daily basis. I noticed what happened the day that we sold his business two years ago and the amount of outpouring of love that he received upon changing hands of the business to a new owner. It was just love. It was love. It was respect. It was integrity because he held his principles for 37 years, which I can imagine was not an easy feat to do. So here's the thing. In today's day and age, can a business survive for 37 years when there are franchises and big stores and trendy coffees opening all around you? Is it possible for a business to still survive for 37 years, that business would have to be based upon some pretty darn hard principles in the way that you want to conduct yourself, in the way that you treat your customers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How was he able to create 
long-term value, care for the community, offer a unique product, adapt and change to the times, because obviously in 37 years, imagine the amount of change that happens in a community, within the business, within the business industry itself, the coffee industry, a very, very competitive industry. So although circumstances and business models and markets change as we modernize, the fundamentals of a su sustainable long-term growth of a business will remain the same. So today I'm going to mix some lessons about, we're going to call it tales of the coffee shop with the business principles. And there are seven of them. So let's begin. Number one, authentic purpose. Every company needs to pin down why we do what we do. And if you're in real estate, are you in real estate because you like to sell houses or are you in real estate because you want to help people, you want to educate them, you want to see that face of theirs when they find that perfect property and you get to help them move on to the next chapter of their lives. People's lives are changing when we are helping them move to buy or sell. When we have cases where it's necessary to sell, let's say financially, or there's a death or a divorce or, or something tragic has happened in that person's life, and you are able to help them move from that one situation and help them move to the next, is that why you do this? Or do you just do this for the money? Basically, your authentic purpose is your North Star. It is what guides every aspect that you do, whether it is you own a brokerage, you're a team leader, and you are recruiting or attracting agents, or you're a business owner, and you are attracting or recruiting employees. It is from customer management. It is about product development. It is about sales. Your authentic purpose drives the direction that everything goes or doesn't go, because there are some directions that you may not want to go down because it is not authentically why you are doing that one thing. So a strong purpose drives your growth and your productivity. And I'm sure that you have encountered people in life, such as I have, who are purely in business for profit. I am not against profit. We are in business to make money. However, if the only reason that you are in business is to make a profit and we do not care about the client, the customer, how things are done, and it is purely transactional, I cannot guarantee that your business will survive 37 years or 40 years or go the longevity of however long a business is going to run if you are solely profitable based. In order to achieve success, a company must repeatedly, a company, a business, a person must repeatedly examine their sense of purpose and make sure that the organization serves it well. If you are, if you have an authentic and inspiring purpose, it will help you keep a constant, consistent sense of focus on what's important, 
what's important on driving the business forward, what's important in how you treat people, what's important in the sense of community that you have or that you create. And are you leaving any kind of a legacy behind? Do you have a strong emotional engagement or connection with other people in the company, with the customers? And are you continually innovating? And I find that the death of a lot of businesses is because they stopped innovating. Now, we're not going to go to the systems and processes because obviously that could end up being the end of a business if they don't hold their systems and processes and have a way of doing things that will lead to a sustainable business. But if we are just talking about innovating and adapting, it is a necessary element to running a business. So that brings us to that USP. Have you heard that before? Your unique selling proposition. It's a very popular term in business and marketing and branding. And basically it means that the reason the seller is selling is because they have a product that is different or better from the competition. What makes that product stand out from the rest? I'm going to go back to my uncle's coffee shop. He's selling coffee. He's selling donuts. He's selling sandwiches. What makes it different? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. I believe that coffee runs through his veins. My grandfather owned a coffee shop in a small town on the Mediterranean island of Cyprus. And he was the center of the village. His coffee shop was the center of the village. And that is where everyone gathered. Now imagine if you've never been to Europe, most older, smaller towns have the church and they have the coffee shop and they're right in the center of town. So that really was the hub of where business was done. It's the hub of where if a stranger came into town, everyone knew who they were because they would come straight to the coffee shop. It is where advice was given. It is where discussions, arguments, everything happened. Everyone knew what was going on because of the coffee shop. So my uncle grew up with that. And from a small age, he was working there. He was bringing coffee to the men in the village. He would see how it all worked. He would take orders from my grandfather. This is how you run the business. This is how we create a profitable business. And on it went. When he moved to Canada, one of his first jobs he ever had was selling coffee downtown Toronto. And he worked for a large coffee company. And his job was to go out and get contracts from bars, from restaurants. So he would walk into these bars. He was that salesman door to door because there was no social media, no internet. And his job was to create relationships with the business owners. So he would bring in this coffee and, you know, they would be asking their questions. So he had to know the product he was selling. So here's what he learned over and over. He learned his product very well. He learned his customers, customers, right? So he knew that if he was serving this particular bar, they would likely want this type of coffee. If he was serving a high-end restaurant or a very high-end luxury hotel, 
he knew that the clientele would likely want this type of coffee. So you bring that experience and then you open a coffee shop. His unique selling proposition was that he literally sold the best tasting coffee as far as the eye could see. From here to Toronto, he sold the best tasting coffee. And here's what happened over the years. People would drive 50 kilometers to get a cup of coffee from him on their way up north. Or even people who moved out of the area from where he was in Caledon and they moved back south down into Toronto or other cities around, they would still weekly, bi-weekly, there was an older man who came that was his outing every day. He drove to my uncle's coffee shop every single morning at 10 a.m. He had his coffee. He had the same egg salad sandwich that my aunt, who also worked in the coffee shop, gave him because everything was fresh and homemade. And that was his unique selling proposition for 37 years. I will serve you the best tasting coffee that you've ever had. It will never bother your stomach. It will have low acidity because he knew how to cultivate those beans and roast them so that there was very, very little acidity. My aunt was the creator behind the cookies, the gingerbread, the sandwiches. They drove 40 kilometers just to get a certain type of bagel, which was larger, huge than all of the other bagels that any other store would serve, just because they knew that would make the difference. So here's what I ask you. Is your unique selling proposition for your business really unique? Have you really thought about the customer in mind when you are thinking about what it is that you offer people in your business and how you offer it? And when you are thinking about your customer, do you think about, you know, what is it they would want? What are their pain points? What problem can I solve for them? My uncle knew that in the coffee business, one of the biggest problems with coffee is the, the amount of acidity that's in it. And it can really almost create like a stomach rot if you drink enough coffee over time. But he knew that his mixture and blend of coffee and the way that he roasted the beans would never cause that problem. Therefore, he had people coming back because they never felt worse after drinking his coffee, they felt better. So a company or a business's authentic purpose is to, to rise up to its unique selling proposition. When a business has a clear vision, it is easier to create the product and, and offer the value and service because you know exactly what it is that's driving you. He knew that his value was, I am going to offer the best coffee, I'm going to offer the freshest products, and I'm going to do it providing service to the customer. And I'm going to talk about the type of service that he offered people as we go on. There is another famous company, and it's a cosmetics company called Revlon. I'm sure you've heard of it. So Charles Revson is the one who created Revlon. And he always used to say that his company sold hope, not makeup. His makeup company sold hope, 
not makeup. Think about that for a minute. So we go to number two, a powerful brand. If you want to create a scalable business, you have to understand how crucial it is to build brand equity and have an emotional connection with your clients and customers. And it's actually the attachment that your clients get and your customers become to you that creates the brand. You know, there is that saying that people won't remember what you say. People will never remember what you do, but people will always remember how you make them feel. There is no truer sentence than that because when you say things and you do things and you don't authentically mean it, that will be understood. And it's called nonverbal communication because a person will feel whether you are being authentic and true, whether you truly believe in your brand will be felt by you, your clients, your employees, your customers. People will feel it if you don't truly believe in your brand. Here are some basic rules to connect, shape, and influence and lead with the products and your brands. Number one, choose your target audience. I probably say this on repeat over and over all through the week as I coach people. I even have business entrepreneurs who come to me for advice because I find that a lot of people get lost. People have excitement about having a business and starting a business and running a business. However, when we move into times like we are now going into 2023, and they are considered to be recessionary times, we have a shifted market. What is important is, you know, we know during a recession, you've got to use your money wisely. What does that mean? It means to be strategic about where you are marketing, to whom you are marketing, which is why you need a target audience. You cannot be all things to all people, but who can you help? That's the question you should be asking. Who can I help? For the next three months, who can I help in my business? Choose one group of people, choose one neighborhood, choose one niche and help those people connect with the public. Does your audience feel a connection and emotional attachment to your brand? And is it grounded in what it is that you offer? If you're not offering a product per se, but the product is you and your service, do people feel a connection to that? And that is where, you know, social media can come in, especially these days. You know, we have video, we have social media posts. I'll tell you what bothers me is when I hear an agent or a business owner say, well, I'm just going to hand off my social media to someone else to take care of. I understand the efficiency of that, but what you've just lost is the emotional connection that you're creating with people in your audience. Because if I come to you like this in a video, you get to hear me. You get to see me, you get to experience me. And what that does is that creates a connection between us. 
even though you haven't met me, you'll almost feel like you have if we do this enough times together. On social media, if I come to you every day with a post or a message or a tip or a strategy, you're going to feel like you know me after a while. When you hand that off to someone, you're essentially saying, that person is now becoming me. So let's go back to the coffee shop, the tales of the coffee shop. My uncle was able to connect with the public because he was the person. He created it. He ran it. But guess who was the person behind the counter? He was. He loved it. He loved the business he was in. He didn't hide, you know, at home. He didn't hide in the kitchen. He was right there front and center. Someone would come and order a coffee and he would say, wow, I haven't seen you in here before. How can I help you today? He would help them. He would get them a coffee and then he would just start talking to them. Are you driving up from Toronto? Oh, are you coming to see family? He would get to know them. He would show he cared. That meant something to people. That person, when they came back a second time, guess what? He remembered who they were. He would say, hey, welcome back. So good to see you again. It was a coffee with cream, right? And they would say, oh my gosh, how did you remember? Those little things are what create your brand. Those little things are what make people connect with you and it makes you unforgettable. So do you inspire your customers? A simple inspirational message, a simple act of kindness, telling people that you, you know, you believe you're going to find the house that they're looking for. Don't worry. We're going to find it. It's out there for you. This is what I tell all of my clients when I'm helping them look for a property and they start to feel frustrated. They start to feel disappointed. I look at them and I say, your house just hasn't been listed yet. It's coming. It's out there. We just haven't found it yet, but don't worry. The good one is waiting for you. That is how we inspire people. Our job is not to, it's not to, to, to be there at their emotional level. If we see their level is down, our job is to bring them up emotionally. My uncle standing behind the counter, he was there to inspire the people coming in for a cup of coffee. He would smile when they walked in. So if they weren't feeling great, he would say, oh, you're not looking so happy today. And then they would talk to him. Now, don't get me wrong. He was a straight shooter. So if you came in to his coffee shop and you were rude and you were disrespectful, <laughs> he was going to let you know that. And he was not going to serve you until you were polite and respectful. But that also created his brand because I, you know, I was a manager of his shop, uh, his coffee shop over a summer because they wanted to go to Europe, go for a vacation. So I ran it. And here's what a lot of the stories that I heard were, you know, when I was 16, your uncle threw me out of the coffee shop because I came in with my friends. We were rude. We were shouting. We were swearing. He threw us all out. He said, do you know, he was the only person in my life who disciplined me. Those are the stories that I heard. And those were the people who showed up in his 37th year when he was closing down the coffee shop. 
Those were the people who came to say thank you. Thank you for everything you did for me. So here is the thing. There is no marketing plan that can rescue your brand identity if it is not fully formed. If you do not know who you or your brand is, there is no amount of marketing that's going to help you. There is no marketing that's going to save you because your marketing is an extension of your brand. And if you don't have a brand, you're essentially just pushing out messages to the public, but they really don't know who you are. And what that causes is confusion and people don't really know why they're coming to you. They don't even know where to come to. Do they even know what you do? Do they know how you do it? Do they know your unique selling proposition? Probably not. So although people like to run around and call themselves a business, if you have not created a defined brand for yourself and have a message that you send out to the world, like I have great coffee, we create homemade products. If you're in real estate, what is your brand? What is it? What are you helping solve? And how do you do it? So let's go on to number three. That was a long number two but it was necessary. So number three is short and sweet, partnership and collaboration. Doing everything yourself can be tempting, um, especially if funds are low and you have a very high ambition or you're a control freak, let's just call it like it is. But even though there's nothing wrong with a hands-on approach, when you take on more than you can handle, the problem is that not everything gets done and it doesn't all get done well. So unless you have exceptional time management skills and you are exceptional at time blocking your day so that you can get everything done, it can actually be a detriment to your business to take everything on because you may not have strengths in every part of the business world. If you've never run a business before, if you're in real estate and you've never actually run a business then do you know how to manage finances? Do you know marketing and branding? Do you know the creative side, what that should look like? When you put a post on social media, do you want it to be different every time? Or do you want to have something synonymous with your colors and your branding? Know what your strengths are, but you also have to know what your weaknesses are. And if you don't want to work on your weaknesses, then you need to hire someone who can do work for you. Now, whether that means that they are a virtual assistant, whether that means it's a one-off and you go on to fiverr.com and you have people create things there for you, whatever that looks like, know and understand and be very honest with yourself and what your strengths and your weaknesses are, and then use your strengths to your advantage and don't allow your weaknesses to become your disadvantage. Simply leverage other help and people and turn those weaknesses of yours into a strength that you don't necessarily have to take on. Let's go on to number four, customer retention. So acquiring a new customer can cost your business five times more than retaining a current one. So believe it or not, there is a 2% increase in customer retention which will actually have an effect of increasing your cost by 10%. So let's put this into everyday situation in real estate. In real estate, everyone wants online leads, right? 
online leads come to you. It's a passive way of, of generating business. But are you generating business? How long will it take you to move those online leads who are strangers? They do not know you, like you, or trust you yet. So how long will it take to develop that new relationship as opposed to going to your past clients and sphere who already, I hope, know you, like you, and trust you, and who would be willing to do business with you? If you were to compare these two types of business, which one actually logically and strategically makes more sense? It makes more sense to go to your past clients and sphere, yet the easy way is to go to these online leads that could take upwards of six months, 12 months or more to actually become a client. In my uncle's coffee business, he knew that if he treated people well, they would come back. And he also knew and understood that it was the repeat business that would keep him sustainable and growing for 37 years. So if you could take the tail of the coffee shop and understand that your repeat business is your gold line and it is where your business sits and it is where your business can thrive from if you take care of those customers. Let's go to number five, community. Community is huge, believe it or not. Community is huge in business. And the reason why it is big is because it's an ecosystem and it's an ecosystem of people who know you, like you, and trust you. And they want to support you. They want to be loyal to you. So are you growing those relationships with those people? And we can talk about community in so many different facets when we talk about business. We can talk about our immediate community in business, which would be um, a team, our employees, the people who directly surround us, the people in leadership, right? That is your immediate community. They are an ecosystem and they should be an ecosystem of support. And the support goes both ways. The ideal business never feels like there is someone above looking down on you, judging, criticizing, and so on. If we understood that we were collaborating together for the greater good of the business, that is where that community will thrive and start to expand. If we speak about community in terms of we have a business and it is in a community, and then how can we grow that community to love, respect, and become loyal to our business, then that's a different way of doing that. In my uncle's coffee shop, that is how his business would grow. It would be by the support of the local community. And that's what he had. The first 27 years, as I mentioned, he was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Here's what would happen. He treated the police officers so well that when he wasn't there in the middle of the night and there was the night, you know, the night shift and the baker in the, in the kitchen who was making the donuts at the time, they knew that there were, there could be unsavory characters, we'll call them, that would come in in the middle of the night. That was a high possibility. So these police officers 
had so much respect and loyalty and support for his business because of the way he treated them, because of the, the relationships he created that they would drive by many times a night just to make sure things were okay. They didn't have to do that, but he had created such a bond and such a strength within the community that people were willing to do that. Do you know that a few of the, we'll call them repeat customers from over the years, actually created a Facebook group for his coffee shop, for people who had visited the coffee shop over the years to leave their experiences, leave their stories in. That's what I mean. That's what it means to create community. People are, can you imagine in your business, if people are creating Facebook groups about your business, because it's so good, isn't that the epitome of why we should be in business and how it should work and how we retain customers? Let's keep going because this one is related to that. So number six, repeatable sales, creating a a unique product and a brand isn't actually enough, believe it or not. You actually have to create this repeatable, sustainable process in your business. Now, here is something that's lacking with real estate agents is actually creating the foundation of a business first, right? What are your systems? What are your processes? Do you even know what you should be doing on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis? Do you have a calendar Every day when you walk into the office, do you have time blocked exactly what you need to do that day? Do you know if you were to look at a monthly calendar, what you have to do that month? What is due on the 15th of the month? Where is it going? When you create a video, where is it being shared? On what day of the month is it being shared? I mean going that deep into what it is that is required to run your business. That's what I coach agents. Because you cannot create a repeatable, sustainable business without the foundation of it, of for the why are you doing this? Customers know if you have a sustainable business. Do you know how they know? Because you will be consistent. You will be consistent in your follow-up. You will be consistent in your approach. Why has McDonald's been around for I don't even know, 55, 60 years, they have been around that long because they have created a repeatable, sustainable business. Nobody said the food was had to be good, but the process is there and it's timed. If you've ever been in a McDonald's kitchen, everything is very, is, is timed to the second of how long it should take to make this part of the burger how long that burger is going to sit in that warmer, what happens when the burger's been sitting too long. The fries, this is the amount of salt on the fries. This is the amount of fries that go in a container. Everything is measured and timed. So I ask you in the business that you are running right now, is your business measurable? Do you have timelines? Is, are your goals in your business, are they specific? measurable, actionable, repeatable, relevant? Is there a timeline? If you can say yes to all of those things, you are on the right track. But if you can't, you have work to do. And if you don't know where to start, you need to get a coach, a mentor, 
like myself who can help you figure that out and actually create the foundation for a business that can be sustained in markets that are shifting, recessionary, they're great, they're not so great, it doesn't matter because your business will thrive throughout all of them. Back to my uncle's coffee shop. How did he last 37 years? Imagine how many different sales cycles and market cycles he went through in 37 years and he still managed to be there. He went through the pandemic. He had a lineup the day he reopened after being closed because here in Ontario, we had to close for a certain period of time. He had a lineup of people who were dying to go back and get their coffee. And it was as if he was renewed, like he was walking in on the first day again because he hadn't seen his people, his people meaning the customers. So let's go on to the last one. Number seven, flexible, adaptive leadership. To continue growing a business, there will be market changes. There will be people changes. There will be process changes. And as a leader, you have to be able to adapt. That is having a growth mindset. When you are stuck in a fixed mindset, you believe your way is the highway. That's it. This is how we're doing it. I don't care what's going on. This is how it needs to be done. And that's fine to a certain point. But then at some point, you have to be open that there could possibly be a better way of doing things. There are possibly more innovative way of doing things. You could possibly be working smarter, not harder. And you have to be flexible. Flexible. You have to listen to the feedback of people. In order to do all of that, I do believe you have to be mindful. And first and foremost, you have to understand yourself, what drives you, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And you have to understand communication. You also have to not fear communication. I think a lot of people, even in leadership positions, are fearful of confrontation. They are fearful of having the difficult conversations with people that need to be had. You know, if you have someone on your team that just isn't pulling their weight and you've talked to them and it still isn't working, you have to part ways. If, if now let's go back. If your authentic purpose and your principles are a certain way and you have someone on your team that isn't aligning with that, then that's what needs to happen. In a nutshell, Tales of the Coffee Shop, the seven business principles, it really just comes down to these seven things. You know, having your authentic purpose. It is, let's do a recap, your authentic purpose. It's having a powerful brand. It is partnering and collaboration. It is knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. It is customer retention, community, having a community, growing a community, being loyal to a community. It is creating a sustainable, repeatable business. And it is becoming flexible and adaptive in your leadership. And when you know that you've got all those seven, you will go for the long run. You will be in it to win it. And nothing that happens around you will be able to stop it from growing. Happy New Year. It's a new year, 2023. 
reach out if you need anything. I am here for you. I hope you like this podcast. If it has helped you, send me a message letting me know. You know what? Those were some really great principles, Catherine. 